Welcome to Two Cents Worth. I am your host, Ryan DeFaber. Today we're talking about jinxes, karma, superstitions. So the other day I was on a walk with my family and my oldest son, Nolan, came up to me and asked me, do I believe in jinxes? And the reason he asked that uh, is because we were talking about a soccer player a few days before, how we hadn't heard of him recently. And in in uh, FIFA, he's a very good player. But in real life, you know, probably an average player. And, and he said, oh, you know, we haven't heard from him in a while. And then all of a sudden... The day that he asked me about the jinxes, we had found out that he had signed for a new team. In, in soccer terminology, he transferred to this new team. And so Nolan said, you know, do we do you think we jinxed that player? And in the context of it, I got what he was saying. Obviously, definition-wise, that does that's not correct. A jinx is a curse. Uh, um a curse or the attribute of attracting bad or negative luck. I don't think it was bad luck or negative luck for that guy to go to a new team. Um, probably better for his career, right? So it's not bad luck there. But I got what Nolan was saying. And then also asked, he asked, you know, do I believe in karma? Um, and I said, you know, I believe in the concept of karma. I believe that, you know, the good deeds that you do then obviously hopefully lead that you to receive good things, right? And if you do bad things, that the world has a way of writing itself and that those that do bad things also have bad things coming to them. Just, you know, from an unfortunate perspective, if you choose to do bad things, I think bad things will happen to you. If you choose to do good things, I believe that good things will happen to you. Um, and then it also got me thinking about some superstitions, right? And it, the reason why the conversation came up was because of sports and I've played sports my entire life and there are superstitions that I would do on the field, on the court, etc. There are plenty out there in sports. And so it just kind of got me thinking about, you know, do I believe in jinxes? Do I believe in karma? And just some superstitions that I've done and some that I, I find interesting and, and why we do them as uh, athletes. Um, and so, you know, the, the short is, no, I don't believe in jinxes. I don't believe in curses by any means. You know, some Boston Red Sox fans, now they won't say that. Obviously, they've won some World Series. But before the curse of Babe Ruth, the Bambino, them trading them to the Yankees led to uh, their drought in a World Series. As a Yankee fan, I find that funny. I always enjoyed it. But they've won World Series since, so that enjoyment has certainly gone away. Um, are there curses in sports? No, I don't think so. I think there's just bad owners, bad decision-making that ultimately sometimes compound on each other and lead to long, uh, long amount of years of not being successful, right? Karma, I believe in karma, and I believe in karma just in the way of, you know, for any action, work, or deed, there is an effect or consequence. For every positive action, there potentially can be a positive consequence or effect. Um, you know, if you say to somebody, I hope you're having a great day or whatever, or, or you're trying to cheer them up or make their day, I think the effect is that you're going to just make that person a little bit happier, that, you know, you know, that person knows that you care about them or you asked about them, those types of things. If the, if you have a negative action or deed and you 
do it on purpose, there's probably going to be a negative effect or consequence. Might not be immediate, but there will be. So I think again, the world corrects itself there, and and I do believe that um, for every action, there's a reaction. Right? Let's talk about you think about science. For every action, there is a reaction. That's the same in in life, and I believe karma to be something that is really there. And I try and live my life to where my morals and my deeds always lead to positive effects and actions and consequences, um, positive consequences. Consequences sometimes hold a negative connotation, but a consequence can be a positive consequence. So anyways, that is what I do believe um, in, in karma and then superstitions, right? I remember in baseball, um, when I would get out onto the field, whether it was pitching or in the outfield or any position that I played uh, later on in life, it was mostly outf- obviously outfield and then pitching in college. Never touched the the foul lines. Always stepped over them. Never walked across them. I always found it wild that people, some people might, you know, it's a big thing in baseball is you don't touch the the foul lines. You don't step on them. Um, the rally cap, right? You, if you're down and you're trying to get a rally going, you flip the hat around and you, you put it inside out. Um, and it's just a way of trying to get your team to um, start scoring some runs and, and, and make a comeback. So those, uh, those two certainly stick out. I think there are some that uh, there's – you know, your pre-swing routine, your pre-pitch routine, you know, all of those things are, are quick superstitions. I did look up something for superstitions and, and just from the rally cap. Um, let's see what it says. This is from Bleacher Report, the rally cap. Laugh all you want, but turning your hat inside out or occasionally folding it just so atop of your head works from the seventh inning on when your team is losing. The origins of this mystical occurrence are shrouded in uncertainty with three different stories branching from the present. The first places the cap's origin with the Detroit Tigers in the 1940s who reportedly wore their caps inside out for no real reason. Then, the 1977 and 78 Texas Rangers took up the rallying cry of the cap, flipping their lids during comeback wins. However, the hat didn't receive national publicity until 1985 and 1986, when the New York Mets turned the World Series upside down in the latter year just by turning their hats inside out. The rest is history. And the, and the practice of this superstition still continues to this day in baseball. So it could be from the 1940s. It could be from the 1970s. It could be from the 1980s. All I know is that I would do it, my teams would do it, and teams still participate in the rally cap. Why do we believe in this superstition? Nobody can tell you. I can't tell you. All I can tell you is that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And again, in sports... I think it's just that extra hope, right? It's that that something different. With two strikes, two balls, and two outs, you rub two fingers on the side of your cap in baseball just to kind of um, wish for for the out, right? Um, if you're on defense and, and you're you're doing that in hockey, they have the playoff beard, right? I I remember that 
always watching hockey to this day that if you make the playoffs, you start growing your hockey beard. And that started in the 1980s with the New York Islanders. Players and coaches stop shaving their facial hair until they win the Stanley Cup or are eliminated from the playoffs, which I find wild too because if you think about it again from a superstition perspective guys can just start growing the beard and they could lose in the first round but they'll still do it year over year over year and they they see it as a sign of good luck um it's also been picked up by baseball and football pittsburgh steelers quarterback ben roethlisberger and the giant san francisco giants former closer brian wilson used to grow the beard um and so it uh it's something that happens in sports. It's something we as athletes grab a hold of to just give us that extra hope, that extra edge. And I think it's just interesting. And, and um, like Tiger Woods wearing his red shirt every Sunday, right? The red and the black. Uh, I talked about like your pre-swing routine. Think about like Nomar Garcia Parra with the, you know, kicking his feet in in the dirt and messing with the gloves and just the pre swing routine in hopes of that, that routine is what's going to give him that edge and going to get that hit. Uh, tiger wearing the red and the black is going to give him that edge to win that tournament. So again, the rally cap crossing the mound. There's another one from baseball, right? If you're a position player, you don't go across the mound. You don't step foot where the pitcher steps foot. Right. If you're going to go play right field and you're in the third base dugout, you run around the mound. You don't run over the mound. You run around the mound. Um, that's always been something. You don't want to give the pitcher bad juju. Uh, pitchers get freaked out when someone who's not a pitcher sets foot on or near the, the, the mound. Um, and some people can take this really to heart. Some some athletes really get flustered by it. Oh, you, you're messing with my juju. You're messing with my um, my flow state, right? And so that's another one, right? You don't, you don't run across the mound. Um, there are guys that won't wash certain clothing during hot streaks, right? And that goes for all sports, whether it's socks, an undershirt, uniform, jock straps. I don't care what it is, right? It's um, they won't wash it because that's what's giving them luck is it, you're, you're keeping that good luck on you and you're not washing it away. It's just a wild phenomenon that just spreads across sports and it it's, can spread across um, other aspects of life. I keep on just kind of honing back on baseball because that's one that I know quite a bit. But again, if you have a no hitter going in baseball, you as a position player, you don't talk to the pitcher. The pitcher becomes very isolated. They go and sit in the dugout. They don't talk to anybody. You don't want to get into their zone. You And even here in this article, it even says they fall victim to the dreaded jinx. And I talked about that earlier. I don't believe in jinxes. But again, in sports, we do. We, we hold on to it. And so it's very interesting there. It says when a pitcher is in the midst of a no-hitter slash a perfect game, you're forbidden from mentioning it lest they fall victim to the dreaded jinx. Teammates, announcers, broadcasters, fans, none of them are permitted to bring up the potential accomplishment 
The logic being that if the pitcher doesn't know what he's doing, he won't mess it up. And that is the case, right? If you don't know that you have a no-hitter going, you're less likely to start thinking about it and it becoming mental, and then all of a sudden you ruin it. I think about that in, in a lot of sports too, right? If you're in golf shooting a really good round, the last thing you want to do is know where you stand from a scoring perspective because then it gets in your head. Great example, and this is just... This is me. I'm using this as an example, and it could be true, and it can't. And maybe it's not true. But this past weekend, I played in a golf tournament at my club, and I was in contention to potentially making the shootout. There was two holes left, and one of which is a fun hole where you can really put driver up, up and around a curve and over a pond. If you get a hold of it correctly. You cut the corner. It looks really sweet. It's a really awesome golf shot. But if you don't, you can hook it into the woods or drop it into the pond. It's not really a rewarding shot when you're in contention. Hit it straight about 210 yards up the hill and put yourself into contention for a par on that hole. It's the second hardest hole on the course. But what happens? We looked at the score. I was close, but I would really have to, I would have to birdie out to really put myself in contention, I think I might even had to have birdie eagled. So I was three strokes, I think, off of making the cut there to make the shootout. What do I do? I take driver out. What do I do on the next two holes? I, I bogey and double bogey. So I have a great round going, and the last two holes, I know where I stand, and all of a sudden the wheels kind of fall off. I kind of let loose a little bit, and I don't really put the hammer down and just play smart i just i get i get into my own head going oh well i have to do this now to even make the shootout let's have a little fun when in fact i should have just said hey let's see what happens once the round ends i've been playing well enough today and consistent enough today that happens right so um I, I, I use that as an example for myself, right? It's just as a pitcher, not knowing, supposedly not knowing that you have a no-hitter going will help you get that no-hitter. On the golf course, not knowing where you stand sometimes, and a lot of golfers will say this too, they, they won't know where they are. Uh, the professional ones, they'll, they'll never really take a look at the leaderboard. They know where they are, but they don't want to know where anybody else is, right? Um, because you can only control what you can control and what's in front of yourself. So there's that, the no pitching, or sorry, no talking to the pitcher. Uh, foul shots in basketball, you have a pre-foul shot routine because if you go through that routine re repetition, you'll make that shot. Uh, things like that, right? Um, I'm just trying to see if there's any other ones um, that are that are well known. Like I just saw one, like Wade Boggs, former baseball player, would eat chicken before every game. Well, that's not a superstition for everybody. That was just for him. Uh, let's see. Uh, pitchers and their relationship with the mound. Pitchers are odd birds. Okay, fair enough. Many times they're the oddest players on the field. And nowhere is that more clear than their treatment of the mound. Most pitchers have a love-hate relationship with them. Uh, it says that some, some pitchers write things in the dirt. Others will stomp around slamming the rosin bag onto it to just let it know like it's theirs. Uh, some clean it. Uh, create little mounds of dirt on the mound. 
No one's sure why pitchers do these things. We just shrug most of it off as pitchers being weird. Fair enough, but hey, we try and make things work the way that we we see fit, right? Um, let's see. I'm trying to see if there's really anybody, anything else that I can think of right off the top of my head. There are so many superstitions. There's so many different ones for each sport. But I also just found it funny um, that, you know, my son asked me about it. I do these things, um, and I have done these things in sports, the pre-shot routine for basketball, the not stepping on the chalk in baseball, not running on the mound when I was a position player, uh, not washing clothes, those things. So it's just a very interesting thing, the the not being talked to if you have a no-hitter going. And golf, for me, again, and most players, you don't really want to know where you're at. Just like When you're playing well, you have a decent idea, but if someone else is keeping score. Um, but it just brought up an interesting topic. I figured I'd, I'd bring it up. Jinxes, no, I don't believe in jinxes. Karma, yes, I believe that the world has a way of writing itself. And superstitions, I always find interesting, especially in sports, that they exist and that we as athletes, uh, I was about to say fall victim to them. I don't think falling victim to them is the right term there. I think it's more of that we want any type of edge that we can get and that we're willing to do these things and it might look weird um, and it might not make sense to those that aren't a part of the sport, but it makes sense to us. Uh, the rally cap, it might look ridiculous, but hey, it might work one out of five times or that one time it works. Man, you're so fucking happy. You, the, the, the hat worked. We did it. The rally cap worked. You know, and, and and you were standing here and I was standing there and we all stand in the same spot next time and it'll work again and then it doesn't. And then we go and switch it around the next time. It's just a funny thing in sports to me and it's a funny thing in life that we all have different superstitions and ways of going about things. Um, I want to tell you, that's where I thought. Uh, that's what I thought of. I thought it'd be an interesting co- topic of conversation. Just a quick one for you today. As always, if you're listening, like this. Let people know about the podcast. Let it grow. Uh, and if we grow, we can potentially start bringing more more uh, guests back and um, getting their opinions on these things as well. I'm your host Ryan DeFaber. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.